Welcome in to episode two of Dropping Dimes. I am your host, Matt Nost, and I am excited to talk about more NBA basketball. Uh, I've got two guests coming up. Um, they were nice enough to help me do a dry run last week. They're fans of the show. Uh, it's previous iteration on Collider, and they would love to talk basketball. So I'll be having them coming up in about 15 minutes. The first one is uh, Ben, and then uh, around the the 40-minute mark or so is Teutonia World, and uh, Ben is a Pacers fan. Teutonia is a Bucks fan, and I imagine we're going to be talking about those two teams once we get into it. Um, so the general state of the bubble, it's been fantastic. A lot of these games have come down to final shots or final couple possessions. Teams are battling it out, and where it's really evident is, or the most dramatic, I guess, is in that race for the final seed in the West. Uh, there are five teams fighting it out. It's the Grizzlies, Blazers, Spurs, Pelicans, Suns, and Kings. Now, right now, the Grizzlies are in the driver's seat. They can, uh, you know, determine their fate, but they're fighting an uphill battle. They've lost three straight games, and then uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. went out with a torn meniscus, and he's done for the season. And that hurts because he and Ja and their young core have been so exciting to watch. They've been in these. They've all been close games for them. Um, they very well could be 2-1, and one, if not 3-0 and oh at this point. Uh, so to lose Jaron Jackson, man, that's going to be tough. That is going to be really tough, especially with other teams surging. Uh, the Blazers are nipping at the, their heels a game and a half back. And... The Spurs are nipping at their heels at two games back. The Pels are two and a half. Suns are three and Kings are three and a half. Now the Suns have won three straight games. They, uh, they and the Pacers are three and O oh. the Raptors who play today are two and O. Oh. Um, but you know, if the Suns keep pushing, they can make their way into this conversation pretty quickly, which I, I didn't think was genuinely possible and we'll see by the end of this eight game little tune-up before the playoffs but the Grizzlies formerly in the driver's seat I, I don't know I don't know exactly what they do because coming up the Grizzlies schedule is Jazz, OKC, Raptors, Celtics and Bucks. Now the Bucks by that final game you know are going to more than likely do what they did last night which is play spot minutes for their starters and their second unit is going to get full run uh, that's my guess by that point. The Bucs only really need to secure one more win, I believe, to wrap up the number one overall seed in the East. It could be two wins, but I think it's just one more win uh, because they're five games up right now on the Raptors. So the Raptors would have to close out perfect and the Bucs would have to you know, lose all the rest. And then uh, the Raptors would leap over them. But you know, the likelihood of that happening is really slim. Um, so... Man, the Grizz. So they have – Jazz should be a tough game. It's winnable for them, but it's going to be a tough game, especially without <clears throat> Triple J. And then after that, OKC. Because the other problem that the Grizzlies are running into with the Jazz and OKC uh, as their next two games is that middle pack of, you know, four or five teams – in the West are all fighting for various seating. They're all very close to one another. So they're going to come out guns a blazing more than likely to try and further secure a higher seed so they can get, you know, a, or try and line up the matchup they feel that is uh, best for them. The Blazers after that, they've got Nuggets, Clippers, Sixers, Mavs, and Nets to close out. They're running into the same problem. Uh, the Nuggets, Clippers, Sixers, Mavs, are all fighting for their lives. And the Nets, by the end, the Nets will make it in. There's no way the Wizards do it. Um, so who knows what the Nets are going to be at that point. And hell, is Jamal Crawford going to be ready to play? He pulled up with a hamstring injury last night. I don't know how serious it is as of right now, how long it'll keep him out. But granted, the guy is in his 40s. Uh, it's not, you know, you don't bounce back as quickly from injuries. So the Blazers, the Nuggets, that's a winnable game for them. Um, especially with... You know, they're, they're not rolling out their full complement of starters, whereas uh, the Blazers are pretty much fully healthy. And right now, dear God, you have four legitimate shooters out there with uh, Gary Trent Jr. And you add him to Dame, CJ, and Carmelo. I mean, they can just light people up. Uh, last night was an interesting showdown between 
the Rockets, who are the smallest team, the, the smallest starting five versus you know uh, the Blazers, who I believe have the largest starting five. And it was it was evident, man. The the Blazers just out rebounded the living hell out of them. I think the final tally was sixty four to thirty nine. I mean, that's a huge margin. If you look at the rest of the numbers, the, the only big glaring difference is the Rockets hit seven more threes, but they took something along the lines of 20 more threes. Still, though, those seven extra threes can uh, make up for a sum of the lack of rebounding and the you know reduced second-chance opportunity points on offensive boards. But if you're going to get crushed like that on rebounds against a bunch of different teams, then, if you know, you need to have, in a best-of-seven series, four good three-point shooting nights to win those games. And the West is so stacked right now, that's going to be a tall order. It's not impossible for the Rockets, but, you know, the Blazers, so rolling out against the the Nuggets next, I, they've got a shot against that. The Clippers after that, who knows? Uh, you know, will their full rotation be there finally? Uh, I'd assume so by that point, but we shall see. Um, and then Sixers still fighting for positioning Mavs after that fighting for positioning and then the Nets to close out the Spurs below them have, uh, Nuggets, Jazz, Pels, Rockets, and then Jazz again, tough schedule. That's, that's going to be tough. The Spurs who were surging, I think they're two and one right now, but Pop's got them playing. They're only two games back. It's entirely conceivable. They keep their, their uh, playoff streak alive, which I didn't. At the start of the season, I was one of the ones that was, uh, you know, uh, ringing the, the doom prediction of lack of three-point shooting, um, you know, loss of the offensive punch that they've had in seasons past, and, you know, reduced defensive prowess was going to finally keep them out. Look, it's still Greg Popish. And it's still the Spurs, and they still have a system. So perhaps they can, they can do it. Now, the Pels below them at two and a half games out, they have the easiest schedule, bar none. They have the Kings, Wizards, Spurs, Kings, Magic. So Kings twice, who are last of all the seeds in the West, twice. And then the Wizards, who should not be there, that should be a gimme win for them. them. The Spurs is going to be their toughest matchup and honestly will help determine their fate. Um, because if they can beat the Spurs, then they'll help lead them over the Spurs themselves. And then the magic after that. So the Pels, you know, by rights could be in the driver's seat to do this. I mean, we'll see over the course of time. Um, and will Zion continue to have minutes restrictions? Now he did not have a minutes restriction last night by and large. He played, you know, more than the spot three minutes that he was playing. Um, but, you know, the organization has said that they are going to throttle him back. And they went against the grain in their last game with that. But will that maintain? Will, you know, what, what exactly are they going to do? It's, it's not entirely clear as of right now. They're a completely different team out there with when Zion is on the court. You know, his points per minute is undeniably fantastic. So to have them out there gives their offense a punch that they just don't have. Um, so they need Zion to play as much as possible. But then the fear is you're not really going to contend for a championship this year. So do you want to risk potentially the long-term health and future? Um, you know, they say that Zion isn't up to game speed, but the problem is the only way to really get up to game speed is to play in games, but they're trying to manage his minutes so they don't tax him and hurt his long-term future and longevity within the league. So they're in this little catch-22, damned if they do, damned if they don't. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, how important is the playoffs? Because part of it is, hey, you know, Anthony Davis, we didn't need you. Look at this young core. We're up and coming. But the West is only going to be more difficult next season. I mean, think about it. The maturation of these young teams uh, and some others that will bounce back that had injuries. Um, and, you know, once they have their full complement rosters, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to see the Pels in. So would the NBA. But is it worth it or should you really just be playing him in spot minutes and focus on next year and the year after and try and build a perennial contender as opposed to a perennial 
playoff, you know, would be. Not sure. The Suns, after that, at three games back, they have Pacers, Heat, OKC, Sixers, Mavs. That's tough. Every one of those teams is playing hard as could be. Now, towards the end of that, the Mavs to close out, perhaps the Mavs will be locked into their spot. So who knows if you'll get full runs out of Luka Luca and, and Porzingis. Not sure. Same with the Sixers. They could be locked in or it could be still fighting for seeding at that point. But I don't know, man. That's tough. I mean, granted, look, you just beat the Clippers. And great shot for Devin Booker at the end there. Actually, it was two straight possessions down on the court. He made the one right before that on a nice little jumper, I think, from the elbow. Uh, he had actually had uh, you know a closeout shot in the first half, too, a little clutch, uh, too. Um, and the Pels, you know, they look reinvigorated. DeAndre Ayton is shooting and hitting threes, for Christ's sakes. Uh, Ricky Rubio, I think, went three of four last night, you know, from three-point land. So the Pels are, pardon me, the Suns are surging, but is that going to maintain? Are they going to be able to do that for five more games? That's asking a lot of a team that's been up and down, but mostly down this season that hasn't really found their stride yet. So I don't know. And then after that is Kings three and a half games back. Realistically, I just don't, there's, you know, I don't see how the Kings do this. They have the Pelicans, the Nets, the Rockets, the Pels again, and the Lakers. Now, the Pelicans, you know, if they beat the Pels twice, then, yeah, they could be in this conversation because that would obviously bump them lower and vault them over in that discussion, and especially if the Pelicans then beat the Spurs and the Spurs can't close out some of the tough games that they've got, then, yeah, they can they can do it. Uh, you know, I guess anything is is genuinely possible, but the Pels, the Nets after that, who knows what Nets team you're going to get that stat line or that, that point spread line last night was a little bit ridiculous, but uh, yeah, it, we'll see the Kings. Uh, I'm just not buying as of right now. I think everybody else in this has a realistic on some level shot. The Suns seems somewhat far-fetched being three games out. You need to win out. You need to have everybody above you really crap the bed uh, in order to make a run at this and genuinely, you know, make some noise, but perhaps they will. Perhaps they will. I don't know. Only time will tell. Um, all right. So any second now, uh, should be joined by Ben Jones jumping in and he is a Pacers fan. So we'll get to the amazing TJ Warren as of late, just playing lights out. Uh, let's talk about that. You know, uh, let's see what other things coming up. So, I watched the Celtics heat game as well. There's an interesting parallel between the Celtics and the Rockets last night, because both Tatum and Harden got into foul trouble in the third quarter and had to sit. And, you know, that changes the complexion of both of those teams and alters exactly who they are. Um, all right. So Ben is here. So I'm going to admit Ben and bring him in. And uh, he is joining momentarily. We should see him on screen and hopefully in audio. Ben, how are you, sir? Hey, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, not a problem. Thank you so much for helping with the test run last week, which, well, yeah. ended up being a test run, but uh, just working out the kinks on this, and we'll have a live stream going forward, uh, hopefully come Friday's show. Um, all right, so what do you want to talk about? We'll let you dictate the conversation uh, since you're jumping in. You are kind enough to join a second time. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was wondering, now that we've gotten kind of a sample size of the game so far, what like your most anticipated playoff matchup would be? I'm starting to think like now that things have gotten going, like who would be interesting to watch in like a whole series against each other? Okay, well, right now the most interesting interesting thing to me is your Pacers. Can TJ Warren, Mister Cash Considerations himself, actually keep this going? Uh, I I don't know. Um, but so them versus the Heat. I think in the uh, West, it's if the Clippers, who are now one and two, slip down to third, uh, Denver versus Dallas in the first round is a really compelling matchup to me. Because, oh, yeah. yeah, with the surging Luca Porzingis uh, combo versus Denver, who, you know, last year made a push, uh, can they continue that trend and trajectory? 
if that is the way it shakes out, that that to me is more interesting than Denver versus OKC, just because I think the matchups are more interesting amongst you know Dallas and Denver, like the Porzingis versus uh, Jokic, and and is Jamal Murray and you know Luca who's going to shine there? You assume Luca that now the youngest ever thirty point twenty rebound triple double beat Oscar Robinson by two years. Uh, I think that one. That one to me is the one that stands out. If it shakes out that way, because you know the Clippers could have won that game last night and would be at two and one, but they're only a game up on you know uh, Denver right now. And I, I could see Denver jumping back into this conversation and making the vault into second. It's not entirely inconceivable. What about you? What's what's an interesting matchup that you see uh, or potentially see? Yeah, I think along with Dallas, I'd like to see them play Houston. I don't know how that would. I, I like Houston would probably have to maintain and get up to the three. And Dallas would have to kind of kick up to the six or something. But after seeing that, that, that game is like what, like 150 to 140 something on the first few nights, just all offense. Um, I'd like that just because I don't, Houston, I just don't want to see them play Utah again. So I feel like that's been played out. Yeah. Although, don't you kind of want to see somehow, although it wouldn't work out that way, but Blazers versus Rockets just to see Dame and Westbrook. You know, one more time, just yeah. they were doing it a little bit last night. Uh, it's not as over the top. Yeah, I mean, you know, that offensive score that you talked about between the two, you could say that some of that is it's early on and the guys don't have the conditioning. So defense is a lot about conditioning. So once they get, you know, their, their legs underneath them and whatnot, but neither team is really known for their defensive prowess. So, yeah, I think your assessment of, just the fact that it would be a score fest. Uh, I mean, it is possible, especially like say Houston's currently in the four spot and Dallas is at seven, but Dallas could launch into the five and Houston can maintain at four or Houston goes up to three and Dallas could move up one position to six. Like, yeah, that's, that's entirely conceivable. Last night, uh, Houston just got crushed on rebounds. You know, flat out, it wasn't even close. They almost doubled. It was, I think, within nine rebounds of doubling what Houston got. So Dallas has more size, especially with Porzingis. So will that, you know, that coupled with they can shoot threes. They're not going to shoot as many as Houston, but they can shoot threes uh, pretty well. Will that, will Houston be able to overcome that? I mean, you, you still have, you have two former MVPs. So you would assume that they've got the firepower to do it, but yeah, I mean, that, that could be a hell of a matchup. Um, so how do you feel about TJ Warren? Is this real to you or is this fool's gold? It is honestly like, he's just, I don't know. I kind of got sold on the whole, like how he's the David West protege, like that. He was on his like AAU team way back in the day. And like David West has always pushed him as like, okay, he's my guy. And so like, part of me is like, okay, he's got like some, he always had like some special, like, like he could always score. He just couldn't shoot the three really up until this year. And so, I don't know, throughout the season, like you, he'd show flashes, like, okay, he can really play. Um, and I think this setting is just so for somebody like him, who's like, he's not like a crowd guy. I think like he doesn't feel in like feed into energy of either the home crowd or like silencing the other crowd. He just like just kind of silently plays. So it's kind of feeding into how he, worked i guess so i mean he's not going to average 40 points a game but well, 53 34 and 32 yeah. <laughs> but it's all efficient shooting yeah. um I, I think the biggest thing from last night was tj mcconnell at one point in the first half had four straight uh layups four straight yeah I, he looks like the old man out there just playing this below the rim game and nobody everybody i mean he just keeps doing these little up and unders and uh floater with the right hand leaning out and using his body to shield back I would love to see a first round matchup with them in the heat because hmm. DJ and Jimmy just do not like one another. Yeah, and that, that was real great. too. That wasn't like uh where they kind of get into it and get pulled apart. Like even afterwards, they seem to say like real stuff. Yeah, no, that was legit. That is Jimmy saying you're nothing. And TJ just saying, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, and look right now, TJ is backing up his claim that he is just as good as yeah. someone like Jimmy Butler. I mean, I don't believe it, but at the same time, you know, if you have a couple seasons like this, then yeah, you, you legitimately could enter into that kind of conversation. Uh, it's just crazy to watch because, you know, without Sabonis, you know, Miles Turner hitting threes last night. Ridiculous. You And you don't have to lean on 
Oladipo to entirely create for the offense or Brogdon when Oladipo was out. Now, if you have TJ Warren and Miles Turner hitting threes, you guys are suddenly kind of dangerous. Yeah, and I think it's a comfort thing with Miles. Like, I don't know, they tried to fit that Sabonis Turner thing all year just because, like, that's what the hand they've been dealt. But it just it really doesn't go together. Like, through no fault of their own, they've tried it. But them on the court at the same time, Miles Turner just kind of fades away. And, and I don't know, I feel like this is more of who he can be. Maybe that's on another team. But What, Turner or Sabonis? Turner, Turner. Yeah, because as I told you on the last one, if you look the on-off numbers with Sabonis, so when Turner is off and it's just Sabonis out there, your offense goes up by, it's like 11 point something points Mm -hmm. uh, overall. But your defense does take a little bit of a slip. And then versus when he's off and Turner is on, your defense goes up, but your offense falls off a cliff. And it's just like, wow, Sabonis opens up so much fluidity to the offense and clears the lane and his passing ability uh, really gives, you know, makes them a little bit more lethal. Now you take him out and just like, well, you know, I mean, nobody saw this at least. Okay. Nobody's strong outside of TJ Warren's family. I don't know. Anybody (laughs) saw TJ Warren blown up for 53, 34 and 32. I mean, who knows what he does in the next, if he consistently averages over 30 points for the rest of this, it's, it's gotta be legitimate at that point. Yeah. And it, I don't know. It, it, and we'll see if Sabonis comes back. Cause like they're, they haven't totally ruled that out, but I don't know. I wouldn't it, for entertainment wise, I'd love for them to play the heat, but I wouldn't want any piece of them after watching at, like bam and all that. I think Miami is probably the biggest, well, Miami and Toronto, I think are just as strong in the East against Milwaukee as like that whole set of teams in the West. Like I think the East is proven to be a little stronger at the top than it looks like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think because the gentleman coming after you is a Bucks fan, and I have the same question about the Bucks that I had at the end of the playoffs last year and going throughout the entire season this year. It's can somebody else get me a bucket? Like against the Rockets, the Rockets just put the clamps down, mm-hmm. especially at end of game. Uh, it's like okay, do something now. Last night. You know, Giannis, Middleton, Lopez, Hill, and Bledsoe got limited runs. You know, they all played 20 minutes or less. So it's really not indicative of who they are. But still, though, the Nets were running out mostly a G League team against a second unit that has championship aspirations. That second unit should kind of dominate. And it wasn't the case, but, you know, it's early on. Who knows exactly? Yeah, the, the Raptors look legit. Uh, I think the Celtics can be legit. Uh, Miami is scary because Duncan Robinson can hit a three. It's crazy. That's one I just never saw coming. He was what, like in the G League last year? And like it makes sense now, but. Well, between him and Nunn and Hero, it's like they got three young kids just crushing. And then you add that to Adebayo, who is now an all-star, like he could be a perennial all-star in the East, and Jimmy Butler. Uh, yeah, the only thing I don't like about it is Goran Dragic seems to be playing a little too dirty down in the bubble. Yeah. That trip last night is like, really, man? Don't do that. That's some petty bullshit. He's always been a pest like that. Like, a little bit. pull something. Yeah. yeah something like... Uh, um, there was reports, you know, early on that him and Butler really clicked because Butler loved his competitive nature and they became fast friends. I, I don't know if that's still the case or whatnot, but I don't mind competitive fire. I just don't like it when, you know, you're potentially hurting your fellow, you know, uh, yeah, colleagues, so to speak, right. for the sake of a possession and whatnot. That to me is, you know, it's bullshit. It's the Draymond Green. I didn't mean to kick him in the balls or uh, Zaza stepping under guys. Oh. Yeah. Or Della Vadova like flying into people. It's like, dude, this is unnecessary and you fucking know it. It's very heat though. It's like uh, what, what Kelly Lenick a few years ago when he, he's on that team now and he did pulled Kevin Love's shoulder like out of its place and all that. Yeah. Although that's one where I actually don't really blame Kelly for that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I've never really viewed him as a dirty player. Uh, he's always like, cause he takes so many stinking charges that he's always been like a hustle guy to me. And that to me was like a weird, 
he was just aggressively hustling, even though, you know, it, it happens. Like Zaza, when he stepped under Kawhi, I, I think that is one of the few times Zaza actually inadvertently stepped under somebody. Yeah, the one time. The one time. But the problem is, is we have so much evidence of you being a douche that, I'm sorry, where we see smoke now, we just assume there's yeah. fire. Uh, so, yeah, I, Olenek, I somewhat give a pass to for that one because it's, it's the only one I could think of uh, like that. But, you know, it, it could have been premeditated. I, I don't know. Uh, only Kelly really knows or potentially anybody he told in, in that locker room. Um, so do you think you have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs? I think given the environment, like I, like I said, like chaos is more possible now, but I don't know. If they got Miami, I just didn't like the way they looked against them the whole season. So I don't know. It, it, it's tough to say. I, I want to see them play tougher teams because so far they played like the Magic, the Sixers, like at a vulnerable point when they're always, there's always something going on with the Sixers. Yeah. And, uh, and who they played the other night. Um, I'm forgetting the team they played. Oh, Washington. So it's like, what do you really learn from that? It doesn't. Yeah, Washington doesn't count. They shouldn't be there of all the teams. And I was against the Suns going, but they're three and zero now. So yeah. what the hell do I know? And potentially have a chance to sneak in to that eighth spot. It's it's possible. It is possible. Yeah, you don't know. I mean, with the Sixers, you don't know what you're going to get night in night out now that's the problem is like moving shake milton to the point guard to slip uh simmons over to the dunker spot and whatnot and change up the the half court offense them crowing about oh we finally unlocked this was just like yeah but it, it took you an entire season and we're supposed to believe in this plus you know are you going to get consistency from joel because as their future their future hinges upon you know what he can give them night in night out he could be the best player in the league, but yeah. is he going to take the conditioning seriously and his diet and, you know, actually put in the time and the effort and the work? Uh, I, I don't know. Time, time will tell on that, but yeah, the Sixers and the other thing too with them is they were Pantheon level at home this year. And one of the worst teams in the history of a league of any contender at, on the road. Yeah. So is that going to help or hurt them in Orlando remains to be seen. Uh, I have no idea. Once again, it's another question mark with the Sixers. I have no idea what you're getting. And, you know, Brett Brown is, is coaching for his job because he'll get replaced after the season if they bow out too early in the playoffs. Would you do anything more if they lost in the first round? Like, would you run it back again? Like, even if they just fired Brett Brown, would you run back that same roster? Or would, I don't know. It feels like they've been in the situation like three years straight. Well, it becomes a question of, if you blow it up, most of those pieces are immovable. I don't think anybody's taking Horford off your hands. You're, you've got Tobias locked in. And I don't think Tobias is going anywhere. So it comes down to, do you move Joel or do you move Simmons? And I don't know that they're at a point where they want to make that decision just yet. Yeah. So I, I would assume the core stays and Brett Brown, they just, they nix him and they bring in someone else. I don't know who that'll be. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's still some good coaches floating out there as much as uh, Knicks fans weren't the, the happiest about Thibodeau's hiring. You know, uh, I think the best option potentially off the top of my head is Kenny Atkinson, hmm. but he's got no championship pedigree. He's just taken, you know, disparate groups of guys and molded them into a solid unit and team. Can you do that with, because I, I don't know that Simmons and Bede really like one another. They're willing to coexist, but is it like a Shaq and Kobe situation? There's something missing there. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what it is. And adding Horford did not help, but actually, you know, their offense slows down. It doesn't help them. So I don't know. Um, but Brett Brown knows he's coaching for his job. So he'll be 86 if they don't make it far enough in the league. Um, do you have any potential like surprise team where you think they could make it to a conference finals either side? Um, I, if, if you would consider Miami a surprise, I, I think they're that strong. But other than that, I guess in the West, 
I mean, if Portland got in, I don't think they, I don't know. The, I just feel like the Lakers are an injury away or like a weird start to series away from being in trouble in this kind of environment against somebody like Portland. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it'd be a lot, but if there was a time for something like that to happen, uh, they, I mean, Portland looks good. Yeah, they do. I mean, they're finally at the roster that they had always intended to be. And you've got, with Gary Trent Jr. basically being the best shooter in the bubble, and you couple him yeah. with Dame, CJ, Carmelo, and you surround those around Nurkic, it's just like, okay, well, we can bang with Nurkic down low and then surround him with four excellent shooters now with Gary. It's like, okay. I, I, they were everybody's sexy pick coming into this. Like, you know, Chuck said he's the pick for them you know, to make it out of the West, which is seems crazy. But now that you watch them play, it's like, you know, there's some legitimacy to that. At the Lakers, like you still have LeBron and AD, but Christ, I, I, I don't trust Dion Waiters. I don't no. trust, I trust JR more than I get do Dion, but Dion's getting more run right now. Yeah. I call Will Pope. It's like, yeah. Is that championship I, level? Yeah. I've always found Caldwell Pope to be a little bit of fool's gold. And yeah. You know, LeBron is your point guard, but then either you're going to have KCP or Caruso basically D up the other point guard. Well, that's a mismatch for, you know, OKC and Houston and, eh, you know, depending on who they've got to go against the Clippers. But I, I like Jamal Murray better than both of those guys for Denver. And it's like, that's, that's a big problem for them. Still, though, you still have LeBron and AD and AD yeah. is playing lights out. So, They'll find a way, but I feel like it's going to look ugly at times. Yeah, it very well could. Uh, you know, the Clippers, will they finally round themselves into shape? Uh, putting Montrez back with the team and getting him out there and playing will be a big boost for them. But they're the deepest, most complete team. And, you know, they should have won that game last night. And Booker practically double team with Kawhi and Paul George still got a shot off, still hit it. Yeah, granted, the game needs more to Phoenix, but hey, I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sure. The West is a big fat, like you could sell me on somehow OKC makes it out just because of Chris Paul's generalship, even though in the playoffs, he's never, he doesn't have the proven track record, but this year is such a weird year that, yeah. all right, I'm willing to take the argument. Whereas previous years, just like, I need to see it from Chris Paul. Um, or and there's no drama there. Like they know exactly who they are up and down the roster. Like he's got his team this time that it'll, they'll go live or die by him. They will. And when they run out those three point guard lineups with him, Schroeder and SGA, it's like, they're pretty deadly and they got a lot of shooting out there. And like you just said, everybody on the team knows exactly who they are. So that's always good. Well-defined roles as opposed to, you know, plugging guys in like one of the Morris brothers this late. It's like, okay. Um, it's nice to have, but they don't know exactly their role or seeing Reggie Jackson play so much for the Clippers. Uh, or last night, like late last night, uh, with the Bucks late in game, rather Marvin Williams, a recent addition out there to close the game. Granted, that's not going to happen in a regular game, but are you going to have to rely on these guys you just added? Or is it going to be somebody like OKC? We're just like, nope, we all have a set position. Like their, their recent addition is Andre Robertson, who's been with the team. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they, they pan out. But, you know, I could believe a lot of different situations as to who makes it out from uh, each conference. Now, the bottom of the East, you know, I'm sorry, Orlando and uh, Brooklyn, you have no chance. Just zero chance. I'd be surprised. They weren't even there, honestly. Every game they're on is instantly at the bottom of the the watch list of the day. Oh yeah, with without a doubt. I unless the matchup is super intriguing, um, because there's four games a day. I don't have the time to watch all four, but I've made the time to watch at least two games. Like I watched two games and a quarter and a half of another one yesterday. But if one of those is a Nets or an uh, Orlando or a Wizards game then I automatically don't watch. Just like, yeah. this is pointless. It's either an easy W for somebody else or, you know, it's a game that doesn't really matter ultimately to me. They're much more intriguing matchups because we have four games a day. It's pretty fantastic. 
It's, it's amazing. That's the, been the best part is it's felt like March Madness more than I thought it would. Because, like, when the scrimmages were going, I was like, I mean, I love this because it's back, but there's just something that felt missing. But I've, I've been pleasantly surprised with, like, how intense all the games have been. I was surprised by how intense some of the scrimmages were. Yeah, okay. They, they, they brought it just because they're excited to play basketball again. Um, but like the production value too on TV of, of the actual games, I've been pleasantly surprised with because like even even the virtual fans, which I think is corny and everything, and like it doesn't work in a lot of ways, but it's been cool to see like like how they had Jason Tatum's son on there and like they've been kind of creative yeah. with it. Paul Pierce, Dirk Nowitzki, yeah. just a static shot, but still Dirk's yeah. in the stands. It's slowly, I think, rounding into shape better and better and better. Uh, initially, it felt really weird, and it still feels a tad bit off to me. But I think, ultimately, it's better than just some static image or posting just the scores and a logo of the team or whatnot. It's, a, it's slightly more engaging. And there's a great screenshot of that Devin Booker shot from last night and all the Clipper fans, like, freaking out behind. Yeah, they're all like... Yeah, and just like, you know what, that's kind of... It, it <laughs> gives at least a semblance of the atmosphere. But there are numerous points where you see an amazing play and there's no crowd to go, oh, like, just go off. Yeah. That aspect of it, you know, sucks because it, it reduces how amazing some of these plays have been. But if that's the trade-off and we get basketball, so be it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm utterly fine with that. Uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, that's all I got, really. I'm, I'm just excited to have this back. And I think, uh, I think the playoffs are going to be more fun than people are expecting. I think there's going to be a lot of chaos and, and anything can happen kind of deal. Uh, so, yeah, it's going it's to be fun. Yeah, it should be. And with all these games and it's going to be every other night, uh, it is just an absolute cornucopia of basketball, much to my wife's chagrin. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm watching basketball all the time and she just kind of has great. to suffer through it. It's great. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining and then helping on the previous show. Uh, you know, I'll be doing these sporadically throughout. So if you want to come back on, I'll put the, you know, I'll put the call out to Twitter again. And uh, awesome. thanks for joining me, Ben. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good one, man. You too. See it. All right. So that was Ben from uh, Indianapolis. He's from Los Angeles. I learned that last time, but he went home during COVID to, uh, to be with uh, family. So he is a Pacers fan from Indianapolis. And now I'm joined by Benjamin Rose, um, who is a Bucks fan by way of Phoenix, jumping in right now. I've got a static image of you and the fam. There you are. How are you, Ben? Hey, what's going on? Uh, you doing a little moving? You got some uh, work clothes on there. I, I am recording from an undisclosed location in a metal truck in Arizona, so it's got to be at least 140 degrees in this truck. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> you tried to torture yourself? Ah, yeah, well, I could stand to lose a couple of pounds. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to. Uh, all right. Thank you. First off, thank you for, for helping me do the dry run last night. Uh, I thoroughly appreciate it. Um, where do you want to start off the discussion? Uh, wherever you like. Well, uh, I mean, I watched your bucks last night. I watched the, a little bit of the opening, and then I watched the close. <laughs> and granted, look, your starters played – Lopez played the most at 20 minutes and change. Giannis and Middleton played exactly the same, 1547. And everybody else, you know, Hill and Bledsoe played less than 20. I think they're like 18-ish apiece. So it's not really representative of who you are. But what I did take away is your second unit is championship aspirational level against kind of a glorified G League team. Do you take anything away from the fact that they couldn't close out late in that game? There's the Al Pacino movie, I forget whichever one, um, whatever the one with McConaughey where they're, they're talking about gambling addiction and you talk oh, about, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all for the money. Something uh, for the money. Yeah, some, yeah. Maybe two for the money, maybe. maybe that's Yeah, it. two for the money, something like that. Where he talks about how he's basically a lemon and how he actually feels a lot more comfortable losing than winning. Um as Bucks fans, I think the natural level of kind of panic is now set in again about, you know, a game, like you said, uh, well, a couple of games. I mean, the, the Rockets game was a very competitive game. The Bucks just kind of blew at the end. But 
to lose to the G League All Stars, you know, with with the Nets, uh, is concerning. It, it's concerning. I, I think a lot of people have put a lot of weight into Dante DiVincenzo. He didn't really have the best game uh, going forward. But there's a real question of when it comes right down to it, how does our bench stack up against the Raptors or the Celtics with each other? Yeah. So obviously, to, to panic would be a little ridiculous. To actually panic about the third game in this tournament where guys don't really appear to have their legs under them and everything else like that. But we're the Bucks. Why not panic? You know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's you know interesting to close out when you have Mason and Marvin Williams out there, Marvin, a recent addition. Now it's, you know, you want them to get game time to get within the system. So Budenholzer can see what he's got there. Uh, who, by the way, looks like a civil war general with that beard. It's, it's pretty fantastic, but you know, even against that, that or against the Rockets to close out, it's like Giannis, ran into the same problem of as soon as he gets kind of any resistance towards him driving, he defaults to kick out to Middleton and then Middleton has to kind of force up a last second shot. And mm-hmm. it's weird. They're in the same situation they were last year for me, at least going, okay, I need somebody on this team to be able to get a bucket because that's what the playoffs is, is you have an alpha that no matter what, we can put the ball in his hands and we've got a better than average chance of getting a shot. And I, just, I still don't know if you guys have that. And that seems strange to me considering how much of a historical juggernaut with point differential yeah. blowing teams out all season that the question still remains on some level. His, his name was Malcolm Brogdon. And uh, perhaps he has degenerative foot condition or perhaps he's just going to be that guy who's always hurt. Uh, I am a little bit of a Brogdon stan in so much as um, when the discussion kind of took place with the middle of the contract, that was like, hey, you know, we, we won 60 games. We're the, the toast of the league, even though we choked in the playoffs. Time to take some discounts, boys, and, and, and see, you know, who can all come back. Uh, and apparently management, you know, thought it was a better idea to give Chris $182 million or whatever he ended up getting and, you know, take Brogdon away. To me, Brogdon very much fits in that kind of Derek Fisher, kind of Robert Ory, kind of, kind of, he, he was just, there's something nice about a basketball player, uh, the type of player that just simply is just switched on or off. Brogdon caught the ball. Either he was going to get his three-point off or he was going to drive. But there was no screwing around. You know, he yeah. was straight in line to the hoop. I'm going to the hoop or I'm going to shoot. And we need another guy like that. And so, you know, a lot of the other guys, Wes Matthews, pretty good. You know, Kyle Corver sure. when he's on, pretty good. There's, these are names that we know. But, I mean, when you the history of the NBA kind of suggests that you don't really know how these names – are going to show up in the playoffs. And so I'm concerned about the bench currently. I think there will still be a, a good amount of games in the playoffs where the Bucks just blow teams out. But I always felt like we needed one more clutch guy. And for me, who, I'm in the tank for Malcolm Brogdon, but I, I, I wanted one more guy. Now we're really trying to replicate that kind of Dirk 2011 thing where, hey, if yeah. everything breaks right, we'll do it, as opposed to historic point differential, we'll kill everybody. And so – but one 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 bad game, you know? It is. Well, that and the Houston game. I think the Houston was the more troubling. The Nets is anomalous. I mean, the starters weren't playing. And, it, you know, take from that what you will. I think that was more about Budenholzer trying to figure out what exactly he feels, who he can rely on his bench come playoff time and who he can't. And, you know, all coaches reduce their rotations down to about eight players, max nine. So who knows if Marvin Williams or Mason or anyone else is actually going to get run out there. You know, Corver, if you need specific shooting, but it's not like yeah. you're going to rely on Corver. Whereas, you know, DiVincenzo is going to be out there for big chunks. Ersan Ilyasova, probably going to be out there for big chunks. So, yeah, it's just can't can get another bucket. Like, who do you fear most in the East to rival your potential chance to make it out? You know, I had a terrible epiphany yesterday, and tell me if you agree with this or not. Um, Bucks fans have kind of been deciding who to blame about last year, uh, kind of the flame out against Toronto. And for the first time ever, and, you know, we, we blame, blame Bootenholzer. You tend not to put too much blame on Giannis. It's his first time in the Eastern Conference Finals, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I finally looked at the Raptors, and I was like, you know what? On paper, the Raptors had a better team than us last year. Like, if you really go man for man, if you, if you say Giannis and Kawhi, well, Kawhi on one leg, but you can call that a wash or call that any kind of way you want. And you got Siakam and Middleton. You got Lowry and Brogdon. 
you know, you have Ibaka and, and Van Bleet was on fire. And when you, when you go right down the list and you see kind of the continued growth of Toronto, I think the Bucks can beat the Toronto, but man for man, I think they've mastered playoff basket. And it's still the East, it's still the Eastern Conference. And on a certain level, attrition. Now, of course, the other thing we learned from the initial game is how much Bucks fans continue to be terrified of Marcus Smart breaking Giannis's arm or, or, or something else, you know, with kind of this flop charge kind of thing. But I, I think the Bucks are such a gifted team when they're on and hitting shots that there's a very real question of we're really just scared of the guys who might either hurt Giannis or, you know, a team of really tough dudes. I think we got a lot of guys. I mean, Bledsoe's kind of mentally weak, but physically strong. Chris is kind of mentally kind of medium, but not really physically strong. And there's this, this, I mean, again, I'm just probably too old, but there's a very real question of are the Raptors our 90s Knicks? And so I personally am still scared of the Raptors. The other argument you certainly make is that the second best player in the conference is Embiid. And so you should fear the Sixers the most. Yeah. But for me, uh, I, you know, the Ben uh, Jones, who was on before you, we were talking about them. And I just, I just don't know what you're going to get from the Sixers night in, night out. And that's the problem. So Embiid could, if he was health, healthy, in shape, right diet, checked in, could be an unstoppable force in the league year in, year out. But I don't know what the hell I'm going to get from Embiid. Right. The Raptors, I mean, I love that they went down to Florida Gulf Coast before everybody else and got in a mini camp before camp, before they opened up, just proving even more that it's like it's about team and it's about us coming together. And they've, they've you know, run the gauntlet of injuries this year. And it's been as cliched a statement as it is next man up, but they have done next man up over and over and over again. And all these guys have gotten so much so that a ton of them now, like, you know, Norman Powell and and two, two or three other Raptors that would be in the running for six man of the year, got too many starts. So they can't, they don't qualify for six man of the year because they had so many damn injuries that, uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they got uh, Chris Boucher, looks amazing at times. They have numerous guys on their squad that are these reclamation projects from the G League and Nick Nurse pops them in the system, gives them a defined role, boom, they know exactly what they need to do. I think the Raptors, that is, you know, the most team of like the Bonami, the Ubuntu of the the Celtics from the 2000s. See, rings very true to me. Like I could see the Raptors potentially making this on a back-to-back just because they have so much depth. To me, it comes down to can Siakam actually be the alpha on a team that does this? Because as he goes, I think that their fortunes go in a best of seven game series and the Celtics depth I like, but there's also some inconsistency issues. And now with Kemba, is that a degenerative knee condition? Is it arthritis? Is it, is it something he's going to have for the rest of his career? Like who knows, but they really need him for their offensive punch. So you guys could make it out, but you, you know, uh, Middleton, I would hope with the stamp of approval from the contract and making the all-star team and just like, okay, now you are, he's got a good shot of making third team all NBA. Yeah. should be cemented as one of the top tier talents within this league. Is that going to be enough for you to give you the confidence in those late game situations? Because Giannis needs somebody to kick out to that's just going to, I mean, clutch, shoot that shot, bury it from deep. So that way it opens it up even more. So when he runs into the lane in those late game situations, they can't just collapse two to three men and create a wall because now Middleton is going to be wide open. Uh, If if this was a thing, this is not a thing. I mean, this isn't baseball, but seriously, if we could only play, if we could sit Chris Middleton the entire game and only play in the last five minutes of the game, I'd be in because I think he's kind of, and I'm, I'm just about the biggest Middleton hater you can imagine. He's played far better this year. And so there is some confidence because he's a great shooter. He's a dead eye shooter. The thing is, he's not really in great condition. He's a creative passer. You get a lot of turnovers kind of with letting him have the ball too much. And I always feel with him this season aside that he's kind of risen to the level of his own incompetence where is a second round pick and he's just completely outshot, outshot what anyone would have thought for him as an NBA player. But now we're talking about Jimmy Butler and Paul George and, and you know, LeBron and AD and truly, truly gifted generation, generationally great players. And that's, that's not Chris Middleton. I mean, he's kind of a poor man's Reggie Miller, you know, without the clutch stuff. Yeah. And so 
we're really asking, like he's almost like on a really great team. If he hadn't, you know, I kind of had these years of growing with the Bucks. If he was just kind of a journeyman, to me, he's a classic six man. And and that kind of be the best kind of utilization of him on, on a better team is just a guy who comes in and just shoots. But for the Bucks, I mean, to make the comparison, I think I made this last time. If Giannis is Shaq, we need the Kobe. And, you know, no one's Kobe, but we need the other flamethrower guy. When it comes right down to it, we're asking far too much. Giannis is going to have 36 and 15 just about every night, but we're asking far too much for him to have to then close the game. He can contribute to closing the game, but we just need another guy. I mean, these guys are out there in the league. We just need another guy who's like, all right, now it's my time to win this game. And it doesn't have to be a Kobe Bryant level guy, but well, we just need another very good player. And, yeah. and so that's, that's a concern. Somebody else can get you a bucket, but you guys are hamstrung with the cap situation and you need to win now to secure long, you know, Giannis's long-term future with the, the team, because if mm-hmm. that doesn't come to fruition, then who knows? It's a big fat question mark. Um, let's flip over to the West. The team's battling it out for that eighth seed. Who do you think has the best shot right now of making it in and being the final team? Are we still thinking Portland? I mean, Port, Port, Portland is the first round matchup I want to see. I don't think that's who the league wants to see. I think the league probably still no. wants Zion, but, but I, I would really like to see, because again, now this is just the Bucks thing inverted. Like you want to see a team that can get hot. Uh, I, I, could they beat the Lakers? It's probably quite unlikely, but could they give them a real scare? Could it be two to two in this weird bubble tournament with no home court? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, probably. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm rooting. I'm rooting for chaos because I actually – I think the Bucks can be – again, everything's back to the Bucks. I think they can beat the Clippers. The Clippers are, to me, the best overall team in the league when everything's clicking, but a little bit more of an ensemble. I'm terrified of the Lakers. I'm terrified of the Lakers. I want the Lakers out immediately. So, yeah, you ask me. I'd rather – I, I want to see Portland and L.A. first off. Uh, yeah, I think – I mean, if the, the league – if they had their druthers and they could manipulate this however they wanted to, Portland and the Pelicans would make it in and Memphis mm. and Utah would drop out. And that way they still get Dame in the playoffs because then you've, Dame's already had a bunch of great moments so they can carry on that legacy. Plus you get Zion and the ratings that Zion would contribute overall. Um, although at this point, you know, it's just ratings numbers. They've already sold all their ad time for the rest of the season. Yeah. So, you know, they've got that money coming in so long as the games get played. But I, you know, Memphis now with Jaron Jackson Jr. with the torn meniscus. Oh, that's be, right. Yeah, he's yeah, done for the season. Right. So, and they've got a tough schedule. They've got the Pelicans, uh, you know, and they've got they've got a hell of a schedule coming up. So, the Blazers, the Blazers have a gauntlet schedule. The Pelicans have the easiest. They've got the Kings twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, they've got the Magic, they've got the Nets, and they've got the Spurs. So, four of those five are easily winnable. Whereas, you know, the Blazers have got Nuggets and OKC and Sixers and I think Heat, I can pull it up. And like everybody else has at least three, if not four other teams that are fighting for seeding and to solidify their playoff position. But I mean, the Blazers look really strong right now. Gary Trent Jr. is the best shooter in the bubble. So now you've got shooting for days. You've got the height, Zach Collins being back. They're going to be really difficult. Unfortunately, I think the Grizzlies are going to slip out of this playoff race. Uh, although, you know, if they can just win a couple games, especially the two against the Pels, or not the two, well, games, I, not the two, never mind. Uh, but if they just win a couple games, they can, they can hold on to their position. There's a real question there continues to be whether, I mean, maybe week two will be a little bit different than week one, but there's a real question of, look, we know home court doesn't really matter anymore, but there's still a question of will the officiating kind of normalize. I mean, the officials are, ramping back up to, you know, the, the game shape and just kind of the way they call it. I feel like there's been a lot of calls uh, kind of called in the early going, but it's like, yeah, normally you'd say, okay, well, you know, OKC, OKC at the Lakers, that should be a winner. You, you, we didn't we expect the Suns, for example, to just lay down, but all these teams, like there's just this, there's just a great question of any game to game as to what exactly is going to take place. I mean, guys have been pent up. The guys are still wanting to, you know, make a name for themselves, even if they're not going to make the playoffs. And so I've been, I don't know if you feel the same. I've been really generally impressed with the professionalism shown by everybody. It seems like they were ready to get on the court. Yeah. Even the scrimmages didn't really look like scrimmages and the games like Lake 
Pierce Clippers was a game, like like night one. Oh, I, yeah. I've been really, it's been really compelling. Yeah, there's been numerous where it's just like, this is heated. These guys are legitimately yes. going at each other. And sometimes when the stakes are unclear, just like, oh, you've already got positionally, like uh, the first game with Lakers Clippers, why was LeBron playing 38 minutes? Didn't make sense. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, now that they've secured the number one overall, I would assume he's going to, his minutes for sure, hopefully, you know, if I'm a Lakers fan, uh, they would they would trail off, but who knows? He might be a guy that needs feels he needs to play, you know, thirty to thirty five a game to keep his his legs going. But you're gonna have three and a half straight months of games, so get right. the rest while you can. Uh, well, and yeah. I think that's how we're used. That's how we're used to thinking of it. But I, I mean, I'm certainly not a doctor, but I, I think we're used to thinking of hey, any five minutes you can get a guy off. That's what you do with the 82 game season, and if if you're fortunate enough to have a first round cakewalk, let's keep resting the guys. At a certain point, I just wonder if this is just a sprint for everybody without kind of knee problems or kind of nagging injuries. It it may be that they just because I, I know Bootenholders has come out and said that they're the Bucks are going to try something a little bit different. But it seems to me that half the other teams are just they're saying, hey, you know, we're, we're probably not going to make the, the the conference finals anyway, and we're just going all out from game one. And I think that really is added to. Uh, the quality of the TV watching, at least. It should favor the younger teams just because they'd be able to run yeah. way more. We'll see if that, that you know, bears out as the playoffs begin and progress. If the younger squads, just because they can they can tax themselves just a little bit harder. Yeah, um, yeah it'll be... I, I can't wait. I mean, we're a little over a week away in playoffs already. It's pretty fantastic. And all yes, the games... it's great. Um, any, any closing thoughts before, uh, you know, I, I say goodbye. Um, no, I, 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 at this point, I just want no injuries, right? At this point, yeah. I mean, obviously there's, there's, we've had the Isaac situation. We've had the triple J situation. At, yep. Um, and I think, I mean, of course, obviously the COVID stuff goes without saying, but I think this has a chance and we're NBA junkies, right? So, of course, mm -hmm. what are we going to say? But I think this has a chance not just to be – it's certainly not an Astor season. This has a chance to be a very special – one of the really talked about um, playoff runs where this may be, depending on how it shakes out, the really last great LeBron James run uh, or the – you know, or the – because he's got a chance to steal a title too, just like everybody else. There's a lot of historically great players who have yeah. a hand in the poker game right now. And – I just want no in, I want no injuries. Paul George, just I want Kawhi, just want everybody to stay healthy. And both the kind of weird nature, the weird kind of uh, summer league feel of, of the bubble and everything else. This this has a chance to be just one of the truly historic great 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 finals. And so we're looking forward to the playoffs. Yeah, they, it's a distinctly unique situation that could you know we're all going to remember this season. It's going to loom larger in our memories than numerous others just because of the anomalous nature of it. But it's good to see that everybody is, is tuned in, is playing hard. They're taking it seriously. The, the league, you can tell the time, effort, and thought that went into building all of this out. Yes. Yes. A very little criticism that I've seen that, that rings true. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree. There are a tremendous number of legacies that could be dramatically altered. If the Clippers win, then Kawhi has now won three championships and three more than likely finals MVPs. But LeBron has that same thing on the line to win a third championship for a different team. Uh, and both have it in different conferences. Can Chris Paul finally make the you know huge push into the playoffs? Or the Rockets? Can the Rockets get over the hump? And then the East... Can Giannis make that leap to finals and potentially win a championship or the Raptors solidify themselves as one of the best teams of the yes. past few years? Uh, and then you start thinking about the Raptors like the Spurs all of a, yeah. all of a sudden with nurse, you start thinking of them as the Spurs North. So that, that's also exactly. on the table. They build, you know, they build the team around the talent they have, as opposed to just trying to create a system and then finding the players that do the system it's like, okay, we're going to just, just as Popovich has done, they changed up their styles over the years and nurse, you know, when you watch it they're they'll run zone for a couple minutes and then switch to man and then switch to a different zone. Or it's really impressive to watch him on the fly, make the changes that he feels the team needs to make, but then plug and play with, okay, I think tonight we're going to get more, more out of this guy. So he's going to get a little bit more and it, 
yeah, there's there's quite a bit on the line and a lot is up in the air. I, I think it's anybody's year and it's nice to see from the NBA because usually it's a fait accompli of, oh, the Warriors. The Warriors are, you know, mm-hmm. it's theirs to lose. And this year, it's just like, I don't think there's a single team that you yeah. can say is genuinely the overall number one favorite. Uh, there are teams within the mix of that top tier, but there's no, it's, it's been a while where there hasn't been, oh, out of at least one conference, you assume X is going to make it out. Like, I, you could sell me on all kinds of different realities in both conferences, and that's what's going to make this playoff so exciting is how it all unfolds. And that's the closest thing to what I think NFL fans have taken for granted. And there's very much a narrative that we always hear about in the NFL that any team can win, and if you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're 3-13 and 13 one year, you might be 13 and 3 the next. And, and the NBA, you know, Kyle Hurd or all these kind of guys for years have said, no, yeah. You know, it's the League of Stars, all the best ratings periods are when it was the Bulls or the Lakers and the Celtics. And a lot of that's true. But I think what we're, like you said, with the Warriors not having four of the top 20 players or whatever it is, you've got Westbrook and Harden. You've got, uh, you know, LeBron and Davis. You've got Paul George and Kawhi. You've got Giannis and and Giannis. And and you've got, uh, so really, this is our best look at what true parity in an NBA kind of sense is where you have a lot of yeah. storylines. It's not that you just want to see one game a day. There's many games that you'd like to see. And I think as close to parity comes in the league, it's, it's these teams with two super, two historically great superstars and, and, and an ensemble. And, and I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Can't wait to see it unfold. Um, all right. Uh, anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, Tetonia World is a YouTube channel, probably the easiest way um, for listeners other than trying to spell Tetonia World, which is mostly Wisconsin stuff. Um, just look up Packers Supercut. I'm the first two on YouTube. If you look up Packers Supercut or Bucks Supercut, uh, the Bucks uh, Misery Supercut, or many, just if you look up Bucks Supercut, I'll be there. Also, Tetonia World Presents is the podcast, and I'm uh, David Dunn 21 on Twitter. All right. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining me a second time, but this one will actually yeah. go out to the world. The last one was kind of a test run. And I'll be doing these sporadic. I'm doing two shows a week. So this will happen again. I'll oh, put wow. the, the call out to Twitter. So if you respond, just like you did on this one. Boom. Well, I'll have you back on because it's a good conversation, just like it was with Ben Jones. And uh, I just want to say thanks. Hey, quite a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. All right, man. Have a good one. Stay safe. All right. You too. All right. There we go. That is today's show right there. Um, My thanks to Ben and Ben. Pretty easy for me to remember for having come on. so by Friday, I should have the live stream up on uh, YouTube and I'll tweet out the link and you should be able to comment on it. I've got uh, Sam Tripoli as a guest on Friday and I have, um, I'll announce, I should have the guest for one of the two shows next week uh, lined up by Friday so I can announce that guest uh, on Friday. But yeah, I got Tripoli coming on, you know, one of my favorite people to talk uh, basketball to uh, or with rather. Uh, a guy that I've gone to summer league with and uh, Clippers games here in LA. Uh, one of my favorite people to talk to, uh, you know, about basketball. The guy's got opinions and he's entertaining as shit to talk to. Uh, I hope you enjoy listening to him as much as I enjoy talking to him. But, uh, you know, he's a close friend and a diehard basketball fan. And I love having him on. So he'll be on Friday. It'll be at noon uh, Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Friday. That's going to be the go time for all of these. At least that's my intention is Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And thanks to all of you out there that listened. Um, hopefully you're enjoying the NBA bubble as much as I am legitimately watching a couple games a day. It's pretty fantastic. All the different matchups to see the progressions of teams and, uh, you know, how one win dramatically or one win or loss dramatically affects potential seedings and matchups and bubble implications for those teams in the West. It's been so much fun and it's nice to be back talking basketball with all of you. Uh, let me know what you think on Twitter at Matt Nost. Uh, I thoroughly appreciate it. And uh, going forward, you know, uh, you know, we'll have the graphics and we've already, you know, we've got intro music, although I might get flagged for that for copyright, but we'll see. We'll wait till, uh, we'll wait till it happens before I genuinely worry about it as of right now. Uh, but it's a work in progress. It's just the, so much on, on everybody's plate, given the weird you know, situation of the world right now that trying to get all this up and off the ground uh, and going 
I was just so excited to start talking basketball again that uh, I'd rather get it out to get the discussion going with everybody as opposed to waiting to get it just, you know, perfect, pitch perfect from moment one. Because once again, twice a week for the next three and a half months, we'll have this dialed in nicely by the end. And uh, that is it for for me on Dropping Dimes this week. Um, If you want to subscribe to the podcast channel or the YouTube channel, I thoroughly appreciate it. But if you just enjoyed listening, that's great too. Um, if you want to give a rating on uh, iTunes or your podcast app of choice, that'd be awesome. But your choice uh, entirely. Um, I'm not going to do a call to arms of uh, hit that subscribe button and blah, 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 blah every week. Uh, you will or you won't. That is your decision. Um, I just appreciate the fact that you want to have an MBA conversation with me. And that's it for me this week. Um, Stay safe out there. Wash those hands. Keep six feet apart, especially if you're in the U.S. And that is it for Dropping Dimes. I'll see you guys next time. Mm -hmm.